The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to another edition of our Detroit Lions Q&A right here live on the Spotify Green Room app. My name is Jeremy Risman. I'm the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. If this is your first time listening in, we do live Q&As like a radio call-in show here on the Spotify Green Room app. You can join us every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Just download the app on any mobile device. Uh, including uh, Android now these days, not just an Apple exclusive. So get in with us on these Saturday mornings. It's a lot of fun. Let me introduce my co-host before we get into it. Uh, let's start with Ryan this week. Ryan Matthews, uh, senior editor at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how we doing, buddy? I, I so appreciate you trying to pump me up. You're such a <laughs> you're such a kind kind fellow. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing fine. The birds the birds aren't really chirping oh there we go oh yeah all right yeah yeah (laughs) i'm uh i'm flying solo this weekend my family is going on vacation without me um it's it's actually a a godsend so i'm I'm doing great was this was this a home alone situation where they just they simply forgot you i have all of my army men set up (laughs) and uh i'm ordering pizza as we speak nice uh sunday's (laughs) in the bedroom in the master bedroom (laughs) yes uh, <laughs> our other co-host here is the managing editor at Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Eric Schlitt with a K. I'm always going to say that because I still see people get it wrong on a daily basis. Yeah. Eric Schlitt is here, but how you doing, hey, dude? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, he asked. You see that? You catch that? He asked me back this week. I'm doing well, Eric. Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, I, I'm a bit jealous of Ryan because uh, – my wife took my three kids away from the house for like two hours yesterday, and it was like the most glorious like a, a bit of freedom I've had in in ten months. It's was it was unreal. It was, oh, yeah. So I, I I'm jealous. It's like you're getting transported to a different world. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. I there, I I'm very envious of my that my wife was able to take all three easily, and I am not capable of that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm living with two dogs now, so I completely get it. Um, <laughs> uh, as you can tell, uh, since we're kind of dilly dallying here at the top, there's, uh, we're we're kind of at the dead period here. Uh, we are only three weeks away from training camp, but. Um, not a ton to talk about, but I'm hoping our live listeners uh, will, will give us something to talk about. And let's start with our good friend across the sea, Dan. Dan, how are we doing this morning? Or whatever it is over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Are we Can starting with me? some tech? Oh, there no. we go. We got you. Oh, crikey. Sorry. No, no. I, I, was, I was here. I was ready. I, I was watching things on my phone. I was about to say it had gotten better that, uh, in the interface, but... Uh, anyway, I'm glad. <laughs> thank you guys for helping us through this uh, dead of summer. I mean, we do have the European Cup, and I wanted to talk about managers. I saw Ryan's story, and I just wanted to throw something out. Um, we haven't been to a final like the English Lions, the three Lions, haven't been to a final in <laughs> five years, and we're going to one tomorrow. No guarantees on the result. A very dear mate, he's Italian uh, heritage, so I can't talk about it. I'm not going to use it. Nothing. <laughs> but no, I was just <laughs> our manager, you know, Gareth Southgate, he is like the sort of the the, uh, the the opposite of Dan Campbell, but very, very similar. He's sort of like a new thinking, but he's a quieter person rather than a big guy like Dan. And I was I was reading up about 
I, what, I read this video on the Texas A&M um, uh, site. It was last year, actually, sorry, a year and a half ago, January 2020. And it was Lucci, it was the Lucci cast, and it was Dan Campbell, and they brought in an old lineman he used to play with at A&M. And at that point, it, uh, he was still with New Orleans. And what was really interesting about it was hearing the things he's saying and, and the way he talked about it and to sort of... I think he's got more... We've talked X's and O's and, and all that stuff before. He ha, I mean, he's been... He was a, uh, an NFL player for 11 years. He was a, he's been a coach for 11 years. And I think I looked at the press conferences that he did after he got the interim job for Miami, and it's just... It's really interesting. He was a culture... He was sort of a culture coach then. I guess I'm just like... Gareth Southgate is just he's really surprised a lot of people there are a lot of new fans to him he, you weren't expecting it he missed a penalty in the World Cup he had to get over a lot of stuff you know Dan Campbell went, was in the Super Bowl with the Giants you don't think about that you know he didn't win it they lost to sure. Baltimore but, but yeah so and I, I've got another question afterwards to keep you going if you want it but go ahead with that <laughs> um, well, I, I guess I'm not sure I got the question portion of that one <laughs> was there a question at the end of it I'm sorry, sorry. so my question is like literally like, what, like Ryan asked what do you expect what do you expect out of Dan Campbell this year? And I would ask, what do you feel from the knowledge when you were doing all, the, all those interviews with, the, with uh, having the podcast with other coaches and all things like that? Like in the six months it's been and everything else, like, I don't, I don't know, I guess what, like a sort of an overview, uh, you know, just throwing darts at a board about what, the, what you've learned about Cam, Dan Campbell not being a meathead or still being a meathead, but a good diet, a guy like he's, you know, small town Texas. His dad just treated people no matter what their skin color was the same. Do you know what I mean? And that's how he was sure. raised, you know? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, just kind of maybe our, our overall impressions now that everything has settled down with, with Dan Campbell from the introductory press conference to the helmet gate or whatever. Um, yeah. What, what, what are you guys' overall thoughts on, I guess, your comfortability as Dan Campbell is your head coach right now? I'll, I'll go first. Um, I, I think, you know, when, when he was initially, when his name was initially brought up, I, I think a lot of those stereotypes that, that Dan was talking about, um, you know, definitely presented themselves and and you were worried like okay is this guy in the mix is he a meathead like his experience in miami was very old school thinking um and, and i think as you start learning more about him and you start uncovering like the the coaching history that he has and and the fact that um you know from the coming from the parcells tree and and, and when you look back at the the career that he had and the fact that you know he was the type of guy that was as he was a player was you know still learning or he was like preparing to be a coach right like you mm-hmm. you, you you hear these guys all the time right anthony lynn was talking about it how like you can um you can identify these players who, when they're still players, are going to be coaches because of the questions they ask or the attitudes that they have, and, and that he t- would take the extra time and spend more time with, with these players who seemed like they were going to be uh, have a future in the coaching profession, and, and Cabell was, was one of these guys. So um, – you know, I, I'm learning. There's there's so much more to him than than you know what's on the surface or or what you're hearing on the national level. So, um, I appreciate the the openness and the honesty, and I know that with that um, quirky personality and that openness, you're going to get those sound bites that the national media is going to misinterpret. But um, you know, like any head coach in the NFL there's there's so many more layers to him uh than I think what what our initial first impression is and and it's cool getting a chance to start uncovering those as we uh you know follow him over the last you know half year or however long it's been yeah you you mentioned the the Anthony Lynn stuff and I think that's important so it's it's mildly topical you know he joined that um podcast I can't quite remember what the name of it was and basically said like he was planning on, on sitting out 2021 and then Dan Campbell came calling. He's like, I'm in like, this is something special. These are guys I want to work with. And to me, I think that's like the biggest thing that has me at ease. Cause I, I think I had some of those same worries. You know, I was, I was fully in the, the Brandon Staley camp. I wanted an X's and O's guy who's, you know, considered a genius, but at the same time, like we also know that if you have the genius, but you don't have the leadership skills, AKA, I don't know, Matt Patricia, uh, it all falls apart. Um, so, uh, I, I think once, once I started hearing that Dan Campbell has, you know, all these guys that are in the business has their support, um, Anthony Lynn, you know, basically, I, I mean, I, when the hire happened, I said, I was going to wait and see what kind of supporting cast he was going to be able to hire. And the fact that he was be, 
he was able to grab all these guys means that all these guys had a, a certain amount of faith in him. And if they have faith in him, they're a lot closer to the situation than I am. So I'm willing to, to you know, have faith in, 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 in the whole plan there. And uh, I think Anthony Lynn's statement um, this week really helped kind of solidify and, and put me at ease a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the Anthony Lynn story is probably one of the most, you know, um, declarative things that, that can you know, be put on Dan Campbell's resume this early on, because if you think about it, I mean, what, what skin in the game does Anthony Lynn have to come to Detroit, a a place that's getting completely stripped down. You know, it's really bare bones. It's a, it's a retool and, you know, a re rebuild ostensibly in, in every sense of the word. And Anthony Lynn goes, you know what? I believe in Dan Campbell and I think that there's something special going on here. And originally Dan, you know, the, the article that I was staring at for probably like two and a half hours as I was watching physical on Apple TV last night, uh, was, was something that kind of like really started with the question of like, how excited are you for like this lion season? And I'll be honest, like the reason I'm excited about Detroit lions football is Dan Campbell. And I I think if, if that was part of a, uh, you know, because I think it's much deeper than that. Like, I think Dan Campbell is much deeper than he is. I, I, you know, you don't play 10 years in the league, you know, having Dan Campbell's athleticism and not be a guy who understands X's and O's. Like, right. I think that I think that he's a guy who gets it. I mean, there's a reason why he was the assistant head coach for the New Orleans Saints. There's a reason why he got a shot in Miami after Philbin got canned. Like, these things aren't happening for no reason at all. Um, they're not happening just because of the Peter principle. It's, it's not just because, you know, Dan Campbell is an NFL player. So we're going to give him a job. Like there's only 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL and, and Dan Campbell is getting one. And I, I'm, I'm excited about it. Like it's the first time that I've been excited about lions football in probably at least five or six years. Um, and a, a lot of that has to do with Dan Campbell. So I'm, I'm excited about the acumen that he's going to bring along with the culture stuff. Like the culture stuff is a huge thing because that's why I'm invested right now. That's why I'm, that's why I'm feeling kind of like a fan again. It doesn't feel like a, you know, it doesn't feel like a bore to just be around the team and kind of like slugging it on. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm there for that. And then I'm also ready to be like pleasantly surprised about what Dan Campbell brings to the table as an X's and O's coach. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's, he's put some really impressive, you know, people in positions that I, uh, I was not expecting. And I think that was, you know, going back to Eric's point about like, you know, seeing Dan Campbell being the guy as, you know, kind of like the front runner for the job. I think all of us were kind of like, really like that guy, like why? And I, I think it, I think it took all of us to kind of, you know, I, I think Jeremy uh, is, is a great example of, like, being cautious. And, you know, I, I think that you were probably the most cautious about Dan Campbell, um, you know, getting hired. But then once he brought on Aaron Glenn and then it was Anthony Lynn and it was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is putting together one hell of a staff. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, am I the only person who's super excited about Lions football in the middle of a dead period? And, and I, I think I, 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 I think a lot of that has to do with Dan Campbell. Like he's, he's reason number one. The Lions traded away Matthew Stafford, and I'm excited about watching Lions football. What yeah. the hell is wrong with me? No, it's it's we're in this weird period in, in 2021 where Lions fans are simultaneously very excited but also mostly completely understanding that this team is probably going to win six games or less. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you guys. And, and I wanted to sort of like, I watched when I was watching some of those videos uh, in uh, Miami days, obviously the first, the first, the introductory uh, press conference was awful. Like it was 10 minutes and it was the sombrous affair. And he did his best <laughs> trying to say he's going to learn as quickly as he can, but they get their first win against the Titans. And then they get a couple of losses. And I think it's something that Ryan's has said before. He, he, he didn't, blame the players he said you know they they, they, they did they, you know they did what they could they put the effort but you know we missed on this on x y and z but he was you know i 
he's going to have your back and, and I think that the team's going to want to, f- to fight for him as much as they can and, and, and you know, kneecaps aside I mean in many ways it was probably the best thing to, just to sort of clear the room of idiocy you know but I did the, the second uh, question I had I, I watched that Woodyard thing earlier in the week where they were talking to Enkeel Harry and, and I think I saw it in your chat as well so apologies for taking that other person's question but um, do you think uh, the Lions will make a play for Enkeel Harry I, I, I mean apart from the bad taste of the Patriots in our mouth from the last <laughs> few years which with Ryan by the way which is what I just I, since Campbell uh, Caldwell sorry and you know uh, you know, t- taking things into consideration and all the words he would say I just haven't wanted to watch anything until until then do you know what I mean but with Enkeel yeah. Harry I was just curious what you guys thought because it feels like we're sort of set thanks so much guys and wish us luck tomorrow yeah, good luck. Good luck. Uh, I'll definitely be watching. Uh, should be a fun match over there. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about Nikhil Harry because he's someone that I've like specifically avoided talking about on the website. And no one else seems to be interested in talking about it. So I'm curious as to what you guys think. I'm interested, but my opinion's not going to be a popular one. And that's why I haven't written about it. Um, <laughs> I, I want nothing to do with him. And, um, and I know it's a former first round pick who has all this potential, but he's not, I don't think he's a fit here. Uh, I don't think he's a fit stylistically. I don't think he's a fit, um, um, meant like, uh, well, not mentally, but person, personality, I guess, wise, like, like his mentality. Uh, I think that's the better word. Um, he said, or his agent released a statement on his behalf that basically said he's not getting the ball enough, and that's why he wants out. I don't want that player in Detroit, and this crew isn't going to want this that type of player in Detroit. A wide receiver that's saying, I want to be traded because I'm not getting the ball enough, well, yeah, okay, walk away. I don't want you either, okay? Because that's not the mentality of this overall organization right now. And, and then you add in the fact that he is not a separator receiver. He is a contested catch receiver. Well, that doesn't fit your quarterback. So I want nothing to do with him. Conditional six-round pick or not, it just it, – he has – there's nothing that's appealing about him to me uh, at this time. Now, look, he's talented, and he's, he was a former first-round pick from the Patriots for a reason, right? But, like, I don't think he meshes at all with what the Lions are. I, that's that's an interesting way to put it because I feel like a lot of people that I've seen online that are that are for it, they kind of say the opposite. And the way they, they pose it is talk about a chip-on-your-shoulder guy. Like, we're filling our roster with a bunch of guys with something to prove. You got a former first-round pick who hasn't made it, who's you know might not even make the Patriots if they can't trade him. Um, sure. Do you buy into that at all? No. Yeah. No. There's like I said, there's qualities about him that you will like. Okay. But the whole, if you read the statement from his agent, the whole premise, like right off the bat, the first paragraph was he's gotten 41 catches over two years and that's not enough. And and like, that is not what you want. And maybe it's just his agent speaking instead of him. And, 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 and so, and if that's the case, then great. But like, the agent putting out a release like that, he's got to at least run it by the player, right? I mean, like, he has to – maybe this is – that's the feedback that he's getting is that I'm not getting the ball enough, so I want to I want to go somewhere where I can. And look, if he comes to Detroit, he's going to be a guy who's going to challenge to start. But again, are you poisoning the well by adding a talented player and are you disrupting the uh, – the community organization, you know, that you're trying to put together, like the whole that community feel that we talked about last week of being one of Dan Campbell's uh, best traits is that he's putting together a co- a, com- a community, culture. right? Yeah, yeah, culture change. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I I, I wouldn't I, I don't like it. Now, maybe. It, you know, maybe there's more to it, of course, like we just talked about with Dan Campbell, when, with Dan's question is there's probably more to this. But on the surface, it doesn't look like a fit at all. You agree, Ryan? Um, let me let me just defend Nikhil Harry a little bit here. Um, and and for, let, let, me, let me say that, like, for the Lions, I think that Nikhil Harry, um, you know, as, as Eric kind of already pointed out, I think stylistically, in terms of what he brings to the table, the Lions kind of have that, and they have Quintez Cephas. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they have like potentially like a big slot option if, if they if they view Nikhil Harry like that. If they view him as a big, you know, uh, you know, an outside threat where he's you know going to make contested catches, um, again, like doesn't really fit in. Um, but I, l- let me say this about Nikhil Harry: he's twenty three. Um, 
so I mean, he's he's still he's still a young guy. Uh, I totally agree with you, Eric. Like it, he has to at least get that statement run by him and probably sign off on it before you know it gets sent out to everybody. But that's a really weird stance to take. But this is a guy who came from Arizona State where the offense was completely built around him. It was completely built around him getting you know touches on touches on touches, and then he goes to the antithesis of you know individual players being showcased to the New England Patriots. Like, I mean, where it's like, okay, you do your role and you'll get the ball when, you know, Bill Belichick decides that you're going to get the ball. But I, I'm interested in the idea of, you know, people throwing out like, you know, trade ideas and things like that. If it's a conditional like sixth or seventh round pick, I'm interested. Like I'm, I'm at least willing to like bring the kid in to have a discussion and be like, Hey, like, Come on. Like, you think that was the route that you needed to go with? Like, if you want to have an opportunity in this league, like, maybe just ask him about, like, you know, are you willing to, like, you know, be a part of something? And, and if you are, then then I'm interested in him because I, I think he does have talent. Um, but at, at the same time, he, he can't be coming into any situation, into any team, you know, demanding anything when he hasn't done anything in the NFL. Right. All right, let's move on to our next question. We got Nathan on the line. Nathan, how you doing, man? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, good. Okay, so who's someone that is on the roster bubble on both offense and defense that you could also see being a major contributor uh, this year and why? Ooh, okay. This, this one's challenging on the spot here. A guy <laughs> that we also – that could be considered on the bubble, but also could be a big contributor. Any, I'm trying to think if anyone jumps out to me to give you guys some time to, time to think about it. Maybe, I mean, like, maybe this isn't fair, but, like, I was thinking maybe Jamar Jefferson. Um, yeah. It, it might not be fair to call him a roster bubble guy, but he is a seventh-round pick, and we don't know how that RB3 battle is going to play out. Um, and then, obviously, like, with injuries, you never know with a running back. We had that year a couple of years ago where it's just, like, we cycled through everyone, Bo Scarborough and, and – a bunch of guys I can't even remember at this point. Um, I, I could see that, and, and he's definitely a guy that would contribute on special teams, I think, if he makes the 53 in his first year a lot. I don't know if that's that's what you consider a, a major contributor in his rookie year, but um, <laughs> I guess he's the first name that pops out to me. I see Eric's unmuted. What you got for me? I have an offensive guy. Um, okay. I'm going to say Khalif Raymond. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think Damn he's it. on the. Khalif <laughs> 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 um, uh, is a guy who is firmly on the roster bubble, battling with yeah. Victor Bolden for a spot. And, sure. But if he gets it, uh, he's a guy who is going to be that shimmy guy in the slot. He's also uh, probably going to be the kick returner. And you, there's two easy ways to uh, impact both offense and special teams for a guy who may not be on the roster. Ryan, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry I, Ryan. I, I take it that was yours as well, Ryan. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Um, I'm just take Victor Bolton. Just take exactly. Victor Bolton. <laughs> no, Victor Bolton was my backup, and then Eric Eric name dropped him too. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody on defense because I mean that that makes sense. I mean, w- when you're thinking about a guy who's on the roster bubble, you think about what they're going to be able to contribute to like special teams, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess, like you said, Jeremy is contributing on special teams like a, a, a big impact or anything like that. So um, I, I definitely agree with Eric, either Cleef Raymond or um, potentially even Victor Bolden. What about, um, man, I, I'm wondering whether or not you can consider somebody like Tommy Kramer. Like if he ends up making the team and say, let, let's say that Vitae gets hurt. All of a sudden, maybe you're looking at potentially a guy who might have to step in and, and play guard. And I know it's predicated on an injury, but I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think of a guy who would have an impact, um, you know, based on situation or circumstance. But um, well, I, th- I think that's a good point because it's something that we don't really I mean, we talk about the offensive line a lot and how good it is. But what we don't talk about a lot is how thin the interior defensive or interior offensive line depth is. Right. Yeah. There's basically no one with experience on the roster because they moved on from Joe Dahl. Um, and so, yeah, I would say a lot of those guys that are going to be fighting for, for Ross, Logan Stenberg, 
uh, a guy who who very well could be on the roster bubble. I know they're they still got the same offensive line coach, but he was drafted by by a different GM. Um, but yeah, like all it takes is one injury, and Logan Stenberg might be in the game, but he also might not win a spot because there's a lot of young, unproven guys on the interior offensive line right now. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for making my point better. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. What can can we talk a little bit about Nick Williams because no. I wrote about him this week, and and I'm just kind of <laughs> like I'm curious what you guys think his role will be this year, or if you think maybe he's on the roster bubble. I- if I can go first, Eric, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think with Nick Williams, like his ceiling is rotational player. Yeah. Like that's absolute ceiling, like just a rotational guy in the mix. Um, I think his floor is, I mean, he's going to be on the team, but he might get passed up by, you know, other guys like Levi. Um, you know, you can't really say Aline McNeil because they play different positions, but um I, I could easily see Nick Williams getting lost in the shuffle and, and getting outperformed. Um, but I, I, I think that his ceiling, it, I, I don't know, with, with his contract, do you think it makes him almost impervious to getting cut? They basically, they basically don't save any money from cutting him now after he took his pay cut. Yeah. Um, so there, there's there's a little benefit to it, but I mean, I think he's still only making about like two, five, two, two point eight million or or something like that. So it's it's a hit, but it's not something that they can't endure. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> and at the, at that point, he's kind of just worth being a body, right? Probably. Yeah. I think they I think they would save about a million dollars, so it's not anything. Okay. Yeah. What do you What are your thoughts on Nick Williams in general? <laughs> Yeah, I think he's at, a, at his best when he's a rotational player and not being asked yeah. to start, right? That's when he kind of flashed in Chicago was as a rotational guy. Um, he was a guy who kind of popped up on my head as, as a possible bubble guy because I, I don't think he's as – even though he took the cut, I still don't think he's totally safe. Um, yeah. Another one of my guys, I guess, is, is kind of nipping on his heels, and that's Kevin Strong. Right. Uh, if, if Strong flashes, then you know it's possible that that Nick uh, is susceptible to uh, the, to, a, to a numbers game here. But you know, I, right now, I think Nick's ahead of Kevin. Uh, I think he's probably in a good spot to to be in the rotation. And so uh, when I was going to go back to picking, I was going to pick one of the edge guys and say maybe like a Charles Harris or Austin Bryant are guys that are probably on the bubble who, when it comes to situational pass rushing, you know, those guys can be very important, even if they only come up with, you know, half a dozen sacks or something like that. Like they may not play a lot and they could be on the bubble right now, but man, you know, they could be guys that change the uh, momentum of a game. I know momentum isn't a thing for you, but still. (laughs) (laughs) See, all all we needed was a second to think, because let me throw one other name into the mix. And I I think this is something that uh, we've we've talked about quite a bit in terms of safety, safety depth. But what about a guy like CJ Moore? Sure. Yeah, CJ is going to be a, a super important guy on special teams. Uh, just yeah. he just does so many good things, and he has, you know, he has enough physical attributes to be a guy that you keep around as safety four or safety five. So, um, I, I actually I think he's less on the bubble than other than a lot of the other guys that we had just talked about. I sure. actually like him quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I I, I guess I. Uh, in terms of the original question, no, yeah, sure. not, not so much on the bubble, but I, I see maybe CJ Moore as a guy who could potentially like end up, I don't know, maybe about, like week four, week four or week five, yeah, like playing like significant snaps on defense, maybe you know if if things go sour or if things aren't going right, um, you know, in the safety room, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, he he could easily work his way into safety four right now. Like that's a wide open spot and. You know, his brother is is a terrific player. You know what I mean? It's it's not like yeah. he doesn't have the traits for it. Um, he's what f- about six foot two hundred, but he runs like a four four three, and he's got good good uh, agility skills, good jumping skills. Like he has all these physical attributes that make him very um, appealing. It's just a matter of is he how well is he going to fit into uh, the scheme? So. You know, I I think he's capable. I mean, he he's he should be comfortable in these in these uh, split safety uh, zone uh, scheme. So, I, I'm with you. I, I think he could be a guy that rises up the depth chart uh, during camp for sure. 
All right, Nathan, appreciate the question. Man, we are going long on these answers, which is just what the doctor ordered. Uh, so we're going to head to our first break. Uh, when we come back, more of your Lions questions as we head towards training camp live here on the Spotify Green Room app. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on the Spotify Green Room app answering all of your Lions questions here Saturday mornings, 1030 a.m. You got to be here. Lots of fun. Let's jump right back into it. We got Nyan on the line. Nyan, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. So, uh, first of all, uh, since Dan talked about uh, England and Italy, it has nothing to Brazil and Argentina. If you want to watch a match of soccer tomorrow, watch this one. It's an actual blood and thunder derby, okay? I love it. Uh, for the actual question now, uh, we have a 89-man roster, and uh, for this exercise, let's imagine there's a ninth, 90th man, uh, maybe a running back, maybe Todd Gurley, just in case. Uh, <laughs> considering this 90-man roster, uh, at which position do you think it's more likely for the Lions to have a player on the 53 that's not on this 90? Like someone Ooh. on the later stages of training camp or on the final cuts? Yeah, I, great question. Um, I, I already know Eric's answer because he's been harping on it since really the beginning of OTAs. It's safety, is it not? Yeah, I I, yeah, I just said it. You know, C.J. Moore could be this the safety four, or it could be Jalen Elliott, or it could be a player not on the roster currently. Yeah, I mean that's that's the most obvious open spot to me. Ryan, what you got? Oh, I want to throw something that's off the wall, but there's a reason why Eric is on this uh, podcast. He's a smart guy and he has smart answers. So, um, <laughs> I you know what I, I think Nyan you know, served us up with a great answer. Like it could be running back. Sure. Um, you know, the, while the lions have three, uh, it, it seems, it seems as though the lions would probably want to go into, uh, go into, um, you know, the NFL season with four on their roster, um, and on the 53. So, uh, I'll go running back. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I mean, look, I, I, I've, I've been looking at trying to write, um, or work towards a 53 man projection article and, I can only come up with three running backs. I, I can, there's nothing that I can, nothing about Dedrick Mills or Michael Warren that make me say yeah. they're going to be on the 53. And like Ryan just said, yeah, you probably want a fourth. And so that's, a, yeah, he's that, that guy might not be on the roster. Now, maybe when the pads on Mills or Warren, you know, shows us something that we haven't seen yet, but it sure seems like a, a very easy spot to add a, uh, another non-player that's on the roster. And and to be clear, like it, it's kind of tough to to judge a running back during OTAs. Basically, all you're able to judge is receiving skills, right? Because there's no pads, there's no line play, there's there's none of that. So yeah, I think I think we could still have a guy stand out in in training camp, but but yeah, on paper, nothing about really anyone beyond the top two has me excited, which. Both is, is kind of the reason why I think, yes, they're, they're 100% going to add a running back, whether it's Todd Gurley or someone else. But it also still kind of like I don't want to harp on it too much, but I, I still don't quite get the carry on Johnson thing. But well, um, OK, let me let me. So in the in the articles that I've been doing, like the camp preview articles, I've been looking at the rosters of um, the Rams, the Saints and the Chargers. Right. Mm-hmm. And to try and get in a, a feel for what. Anthony Lynn is looking for what um, Dan Campbell might be looking for, and then you know what um, Brad Holmes might be looking for. So uh, it is interesting that the Chargers and the Saints 
only kept three running backs on their roster uh, mm. to start the season. The yeah. Rams on the other side kept five. So mm. it's really hard to get a good feel for what exactly they're looking for. But if Holmes is going to defer to his coaches, they seem to be comfortable moving with um, three pure running backs and, and a fullback, which is seems to be um, – which was a staple for both the uh, the Saints and the Chargers as well. well. Can I ask you real quick, Eric? Do you think that that the Rams carrying five guys? I know they have Cam Akers, um, mm-hmm. but do you think do you think that was potentially a product of well, we we have this unproven guy, so we're going to have you know as many bodies around as maybe one of these guys will stick. It's possible. Um, I haven't, you know, they they had Henderson and then Akers and then Malcolm Brown. Those are the three guys that they like the most. <laughs> former, uh, former but then they, almost Lions legend Malcolm Brown, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then they kept uh, Xavier Jones, who was a UDFA guy, and then uh, Raymond uh, Calais as well. I, I, I have not looked up. Like uh, why? Like for reasoning or anything? I just know that they were on the initial fifty-three uh, man roster, but I haven't figured out exactly why just yet. If, if I could go back to the original question, I have another answer that I think might be interesting and could draw some discussion. What about tight end? Because I think they're, they were kind of left in a precarious spot there with with the sudden retirement of Josh Hill and obviously the Hunter Bryan injury, and they got their top two guys pretty much set in stone in T.J. Hawkinson and Darren Fells, but. Beyond that, again, we have a bunch of unproven guys. Like, I know Alizé Mack is probably the leader, and I just learned how to say his name because of the name bracket tournament, so I just kind of wanted to sneak that in there. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, is there? I, I think there's room to if, – if there's a veteran out there that they like, and we know Dan Campbell likes his tight ends, I think there's a chance to add a TE3 that's not on the roster right now. Yeah, I mean, that's possible for sure, right? Um, I, I'm trying to think, like, which guys are, are, are out there right now. Um, I know there's one. The guy, he was in Chicago recently. Um, no, man, I'm disappointed in myself here. Um, I'll have to Trey maybe Burton. I'll try and look it up. Uh, and there you go, Trey Burton. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, he is sitting there, um, and he's a guy who is capable enough as a blocker to play the the third tight end, but he's also uh, a, a talented enough receiver, and I think he's far enough along in his career that uh, uh, taking on a tight end three role isn't out of the question, especially since he's still a free agent, right? So, right. yeah, could could they go after a Trey Burton? Absolutely. Um, will they? I, I I don't think so. You know, I think they're looking at the one of these younger guys, but I wouldn't rule it out. I would. I I agree. With yeah, I mean, it, it just it kind of depends on the performance during training camp. Right? I think I think to open camp, you, you're not going to make that signing. But if you know you get into week two, week three of training camp, you're like, I don't know about the depth here. Go ahead and get a guy. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the the call, the question. Appreciate it. Um, let's jump to Carrie. Carrie, how you hey. doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Great, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're we're starting a. Uh, uh, a, a pride of Detroit chapter here in Texas. I saw we have another Texas here um, in the chat, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy to represent. I love it. Uh, I, I have two two questions. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on two things. So, the first one, going back to the wide receiver, because you know it, it just sounds like any time that uh, uh, a receiver comes available, we're going to all kind of rally around that story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is our are we cont- is the coaching staff um, and are you guys content with our um, our receiving group? Is and is it is it just because we don't have like a big name um, on 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 um, on the roster right now? Do we have like do we have like a is it over? Are we overreacting um, so so to speak on, in that in that part of the um, roster? Good question, Kerry. Um, because yeah, I think I think an argument could certainly be made that I think the coaching staff is kind of fine. Just like with with the guys they got now to to see what they've got and and you know they, they've they've got their two you know the two number ones and number twos um, they've got experience they they've played in this league before and now they're kind of going to be showcased a little bit more and so I think there is part of them that wants to see how they respond to that you know added responsibility but uh, but Eric what do you think what are your thoughts Yeah I, I think they're comfortable with what they have because. 
with Williams and, and, and Perryman and then uh, Ratley and Raymond, those are the four guys that they went out and signed. Then you draft uh, St. Brown and, and then Cephas is all of a sudden showing up in camp. And also there, there's your top six guys, right? So um, you still have a couple guys that are challenging, but it's, you know, they're not challenging for these, you know, large roles unless, you know, Victor Bolden somehow, you know, comes into his own here. Right. But like you wrote a, a uh, article on Geronimo Allison earlier in the week about mm-hmm. how are we sleeping on him? And, and I actually don't think we are. I think he's probably wide receiver eight on this roster right now, which means he's, he's probably not going to make it. And again, this is a guy who's been in the league for uh, several years and he's probably talented enough to make it. So like, while we don't have the superstars, I think they have capable players. They've probably got eight guys who could make an NFL roster. So the, it's not, anything that's like flashy you know what i mean like you 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 don't have a wide receiver one like a natural like talent like that but um they it's i think the fact that i I think it's a misconception that they don't have you know some talent it's just a different type they still have a they still have several other guys that are capable of playing it's just not going to be exactly at the the high level that we're we're used to and I, i also think like part of the issue here is that the Lions don't have a wide receiver core for the future, right? Like, all these guys are kind of one-year, let's-see-what-happens kind of thing, which is, I think, maybe part of the reason why Nikhil Harry is, is so um, attractive to some Lions fans is because he could, sure. you know, if he works out, he's a wide receiver for a future. Um, the guys that are here now probably aren't, and but but right now I think their focus is on this year and, seeing what they have in these guys because maybe one of the one of them turns out but um i'm I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are ryan so i I think what's most interesting about the wide receiver room is that all these guys are stepping into roles that they've never been in but it seems like they've flashed an opportunity or they flashed the talent to to take on this opportunity i should say so like for instance like tyrell williams Probably not a guy who anybody saw as being a bonafide number one, but here he is in Detroit with that role. Like Rashad Perryman, drafted in the first round, um, hasn't really been able to do it because of injury, but this is probably his biggest opportunity that he's gotten. Um, you know, I, Khalif Raymond, another guy. You know, Damian Ra- these guys, like, they haven't had these substantial opportunities or roles offered to them before, but, but here they are. Um, but they aren't household names, and I think that as Lions fans, we've kind of been spoiled over the past decade, right? With, I mean, just household names coming in. Um, You know, part of that being, you know, those guys stepping up into roles like Marvin Jones, um, Golden Tate. uh, Those are guys who... Not 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 exactly similar to you know, the Tyrell Williams and the Brashad Perrymans of the world because they're they're kind of uh, you know on the island of misfit toys. But you know when it comes to you know some of the names that the Lions have had you know over the past ten years, Kenny Galladay, Calvin Johnson. I mean, like they've had big name receivers. Now they don't. So it's almost kind of like the, this emotional void that Lions fans are feeling. Um, you know, by by trying to seek out the the next opportunity for for one of these big names to come in and. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder how much people really want Jared Goff to succeed because, you know, if, they, if they're hoping that the Lions can, can nab another big-name receiver, maybe, maybe they're hoping that, you know, Goff needs a little bit more help. But let's, let's remind ourselves, I mean, was Cooper Cup a household name? Was Robert Woods a household name? Um, you know, I don't know. So, so what you're saying is that Matthew Stafford needs big name wide receivers while Jared Goff makes good receivers out of out of no name guys. That's, is that what you're saying? Can I make that the headline of this post? Do you <laughs> do you want to do that? <laughs> great, great, great. Have we have we not had enough bad Matt Stafford takes this week? Oh, goodness. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And my, I appreciate it, guys. My, my other question is around flowers, you know, with the scheme changing and everything. Like, um, just from the feel that you're getting, uh, is he is he okay with with the changes? And and what is your expectations for him next um, next season? Yeah, uh, that, that's a good question. Um, he, right towards the end of OTAs, um, he did a media session, and, and you know he was asked a lot about that the, the position change and the culture change. You know, I, I think if anyone maybe is not in favor of the culture change, you would think a guy like um, Trey Flowers, you know, a very serious guy, guy that was all in on the Patriot way, might not be. 
but he was really immature with his answers. And, you know, he, he said like, listen, this is just something else, something new I've got to learn. I'm going to, you know, he, he's just, he's a super professional guy in, in every sense of the word. And so I think, you know, he's going to take the challenge head on. And, and I know Eric's probably going to come in here in a second and, and make sure everyone pumps the brakes and say like, this isn't that big of a change for him. He's still going to rush the passer just now, maybe not with his hands in the dirt as many times, but it it is going to be a change. And he may, you know, he acknowledged it's going to be a bit of a change. Um, the thing is, he's never going to be that like double digit sack guy, though. That if, if you're expecting him to be like this elite pass rusher, that's just not what his game is. He's always kind of going to be that under the radar, really kind of good at everything type of guy, but not like excellent at everything. Um, so I, you know, I, I'd expect what many will consider a, a quiet year from him, but mostly productive, just kind of behind the scenes kind of guy. Yeah, I think his whole persona uh, fits that right like he mm-hmm. he's his he's historically very accurate in, in what he produces like he produces between 50 and 60 tackles and about six and a half seven sacks a year that's yeah. what he does but the the thing that makes trey flowers so valuable is that he can set the edge and he can like take on double teams and and there's so many other non you know box score things that he brings to the table that I think is we're going to continue to see from him this year. So you know if he gets seven sacks, I think people will be pleased with that, but they'll still be oh you know going with the narrative that he's not worth the money you know that he's that he's uh, you know getting and and you know that's an argument for a different day, but. He is. Uh, I think he's going to do the same thing he's always done because, yeah, it's it's not that big of a position change. He's he's still going to rush the. Pa- oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, no, no, <laughs> you're hitting your marks. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, the, the one other thing I want to add about Trey Flowers, and you guys have both kind of touched on it, but like, how easy would it be for a guy who got the contract that he got to be like, screw you, I'm not, I'm not going to switch positions. I'm not going to, you know, change things up. Like, I, I want out of here. I mean, he's he's. I mean, he came to a team. Um, you know, with, with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia in place and, um, you know, a very specified role, comfortable. Now, all of a sudden, that is being taken out from underneath him. He's got this huge contract. It would be really easy for him to just, you know, either want out of here or cause a stink or something. But, like, it, he's just a consummate professional. I think this echoes back to Dan Campbell's initial press conference when he, he talked about wanting to, you know, have – have this mentality about this team where you know you come to Detroit and you're going to get beat up like I think Trey Flowers is like the epitome of that as Eric pointed out like he's just Mr. Consistent like and Jeremy pointed out you know he's not going to be Chandler Jones he's not going to get 18 sacks or anything like that and live up to you know the expectations that Bob Quinn's contract kind of put up to him but like he's going to be a guy that I think when teams come to town they're like shit we got to deal with Trey Flowers <laughs> like I like he, he's still going to he's still going to be a productive player and I, I think he, as, as Eric, you know, smartly pointed out, like I think some of those intangibles that Trey Flowers brings to the table and to the defense are going to be really welcomed and really valued, um, you know, under, under Dan Campbell and, you know, Aaron Glenn. Fair enough. Fair enough. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate you guys, man. I'll uh, chat with you guys next week. All right. Sounds good, Kerry. Thanks again for, for stopping by. And with that, let's take our second break. When we come back, more Lions questions right here on the Spotify Green Order map. You got to get here. Saturday mornings, 10.30 a.m. We'll be right back. Back here for the final segment of our Lions Q&A live on the Spotify Green Room app. Let's go to our chat before we jump uh, back to the caller line. Uh, We had a couple good questions I wanted to get to. Um, Brian asked, uh, did you guys listen to the series XM moving the chains podcast with Pat Kieran and Jim Miller? If so, what do you think of their score? 13 out of 20 for the lines O line. Now I'm assuming neither of you guys did listen to this and I didn't either, but 13 out of 20 for the lions offensive line. I don't know what the criteria are, but that seems awfully low, right? Is the goal to try to be at 12 or 14? <laughs> yes. It's a very confusing grading scale. Yeah, I don't, I'm kind of confused by that. Um, I, let, I, let me ask you yeah, this go in ahead. a different way. Um, do you think there's any chance that we're overrating the Lions' offensive line? Ah, thank you. Perfect segue. Um, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um, and, and I think that kind of comes back to what you, you pointed out earlier in the show when we were talking about um, 
guys who are potentially on the roster bubble who might have an impact. But like outside of Frank Ragnow, like that interior, you know, I, I think we're I think maybe we're 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 a little bit quick to heap a lot of praise on Jonah Jackson, sure, um, who I think was 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 pretty good, um, mostly good, but th- there was some stuff that he, he could clean up in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, his performance and things like that. So I, I think, you know, you, you look at Jonah Jackson, you're, you're, you're counting on a big leap from him. And then you're also counting on Vitae being healthy and productive. So I, I don't know. I, I think I, 13 out of 20 is a little bit, um, you know, that's a little bit disrespectful, but, um, you know, I think that there's, there's cause for not concern, but there's cause for like wanting to see it on the field. Yeah. Pause essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, I I feel like the Lions' offensive line is one of those, uh, lines where the people who haven't really taken a close look at them are going to see them being productive. And then they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, why didn't we notice this? Oh, they have three first round picks on there. Of course we should have known that they were going to be good. And look, (laughs) Taylor Decker uh, is a top 10 left tackle. Frank Ragnow might be the best center in the league. If not, he's the second. Uh, Sewell was the best available tackle in this draft for a reason. Like, that's 60% of your offensive line should be at a very high level. Now, of course, it could take Sewell some time to acclimate, but I don't think it's going to be that long of a transition for him. Jonah Jackson is ascending, and uh, he's a guy who went in – to his rookie season, having to go through the gauntlet of the whole draft cycle. And then he went into training camp, not knowing what position he was going to play, not knowing if he was going to start. Then they switched positions to on him in week three, totally different. He's now spending the entire offseason preparing to play left guard. He's his focus is playing on left guard. Like that's how you improve. You improve by playing next to the guys for consecutive seasons. You you improve by knowing what your role is and being able to prepare for that role instead yeah. of being cross trained at other spots. Like that's how Jonah Jackson gets better. And so I'm yeah. expecting to see a big leap out of him. And yeah, Vitae, everybody talks about the fact that like all the all the Lions coaches and whatnot talk about the fact that it was injuries that, that zapped him. And if his, he didn't have those injuries, then he would have been a better player. And he he's a people mover. He looked like a people mover. And if you want to say that that's the weak link in the line, then that's fine. And it, maybe it's a depth thing that goes into that evaluation. I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, things are in place for this to be a dominating offensive line that people – it kind of sneaks up on some of the people that are just looking at it from a surface level. I, I think that's a great point about John Jackson, Eric. Um, I got a question to throw it back to you, Jeremy. Jeremy. Um, uh, in terms of the right side of the line, are you at all concerned about Sewell being next to Vitae? Uh, maybe. I I do think I like Vitae at right guard because, yeah, as as Eric said, he's a people mover. Like, looking at the tape of him, I remember when we, we first signed him, I was like, I'm not sure about him in pass protection, but run run blocking like he's a dude and and i like having him at right guard and yeah sure like having your rookie next to what could be the weakest link is is not ideal but it's not something i'm necessarily all that concerned about just because like it's because i i think vitae is going to benefit from having Sewell right next to him to be honest yeah. like i'm not concerned I, i'm like he's Tackles is a position that doesn't take that long to really adjust to in the NFL. And, and yes, he's moving from the left to right, and that's that's going to take some time. But and, and, yes, obviously, he also hasn't played for uh, a couple years. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so not concerned about Panay Sewell that you can throw whoever next to him, and I'm still going to be – I still think it's, it's the guy next to him that, that's going to benefit more than he's going to get hurt, you know? Low-key, a underrated – uh, part of the Lions blocking scheme that we don't talk about when we talk about offensive line is the fact that Darren Fells is going to be on the on the sure. outside of Sewell. Aww. And that's going to be a big deal because Fells is a very good blocker. And and so yeah, you know, it doesn't count in the you know offensive line only type of focus. But Fels is going to help the rookie as well. Like he's going to help him actually and it's going to free Hawkinson up. And I mean like there's so many different things that you can do when you have a capable blocking tight end and then an electric tight end. Hmm. Wonder why they targeted Josh Hill. Hmm. hmm. The, the, the last thing I want to say on the offensive line, and, and I think our, our answer to the original question, is it is there a chance the offensive line is underrated uh, or overrated? Um, I think we're all saying no to that. Um, stability. 
I mean, stability is is extremely important on the offensive line, and they're essentially returning for the five guys. And, yeah, some of them were playing different positions last year and all that. But like you said, they're going into this offseason with a a better understanding of what the role is going to be. They have the same offensive line coach, which let's not underrate that either. And so, you know, everything is really lined up. There's there's no excuses other than maybe injury because we mentioned the, the kind of, you know, lacking of depth especially on the interior, that, that could really hurt this offensive line. I, I'm expecting big things out of them, and if, if they don't match it, I'm, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, all right, well, let's move on to another text question here in our chat room. Um, let me find where it was. Um, uh, there we go, from Tommy. He says, what player do you think could be moved on from uh, at the deadline if things go south early. So we just got done being super optimistic. Let's theoretically say the lines are way out of it by the trade deadline. Who's the guy you could see on the trading block for them? Um, I'll, I'll throw out a name. Uh, Tyrell Williams. Makes okay. sense. I mean, guy on a guy on a one year contract. Um, somebody who obviously has been able to, I, I, I think Tyrell Williams is going to be, a player. Um, but I also, you know, like you mentioned, Jeremy, like these guys in the wide receiver room who are on one year contracts, they have an opportunity to prove, um, you know, sticking around here in Detroit. But at the same time, I don't think Brad Holmes is going to turn away from, you know, potential trade offers. If, you know, say somebody's willing to come along and, and pay for Tyrell Williams the same way that the Patriots paid for Muhammad Sanu. I mean, how could you turn down like a second round pick for somebody like Tyrell Williams? So, Man, he'd have um, he'd have to play really good in the first half of the season for him to get that, though, right? For sure, yeah. Um, I also think he's going to play good, so I guess maybe that's why I kind of view him as a potential. You know, if things do go sour or if things do go south, I mean, he he's he's a I think he's a known commodity. Like I I think he's a little bit I, I think he's a little bit more polished than obviously some of the other guys in the room. What do you think, Eric? Well, I'm going to go a little off-brand for me here. And, and just on hand. <laughs> I, I'm going to say the three people that would be the most trade-worthy uh, would be Deshaun Hand, <laughs> Tracy, Tracy Walker, Walker, and Tyrell Crosby. Wow. I think those are guys that, were, that are on one-year contracts, yep. were not part of this regime, and are capable of being contributors in a different scheme. And now I don't think you're going to get much for any of those players, maybe outside of Tracy, but those three guys were all holdovers in the final year of their contract, and they're capable of starting. And so those three guys would all be trade candidates if things go south. I almost had my bingo card filled out. (laughs) (laughs) How inconsolable would you be, Eric? Uh, you know, <laughs> these are these are guys that I I have high impressions of, and um, you know, I've been on some of these guys since they're the big, you know, since they're the, the moment they, they stepped on the field. Yeah, yeah, I was high on on all of them. So, um, yeah, it would be it would be difficult for me, but I would understand that this is uh in the business. These are not guys you brought in. They're in the final years of their deal. They're going to be you know, vulnerable to be traded. Now I, I still think I'm not trading them now. Right. But uh if 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 like the question said, if things go south, those are guys that are gonna be vulnerable. All right. Well let's let's hope that question doesn't bring uh nightmares up for you uh tonight. <laughs> um let's go back to the phone lines. We got Antonio here. Antonio there? There he is. What's up Antonio? Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay, sorry. Okay. So Awesome. Hey, love your guys' stuff. I follow you guys all the time. Uh, you guys keep me grounded with your logic and everything, especially Eric. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. Um, so I'm having trouble. I have a couple, two questions. One is I'm having trouble just kind of gauging like the, the mindset of the fan base and the media because I'm hearing a lot of double speak. Like, you know, I'm I'm the type of person who says like I think everyone's going to do better this year. The coaching staff is going to make a difference. I don't see us drafting at the top of the draft next year. I think we're going to be like seven and ten. Um, and 
you know, I don't, when I say like, when I see receivers out there, I don't want a new receiver. I think, you know, I think we're defined. So some, uh, my question is like a lot of people uh, just are like both ways. They'll say like, we're going to draft at the top of the draft, but we got a dominant offensive line. We got a great running game. Like they'll, they'll talk in two ways. And I don't really understand uh, how I'm supposed to deal with uh, or how we, you know, deal with that coming from the media too. Uh, it's it's I'm having trouble gauging the temperature of the fan base as to what what we really think the Lions are or what they're going to be, because I don't see them drafting at the top of the draft. I see us being more like a seven and ten team, uh, but much improved. Right. And missing out on that, like possible quarterback of the future, because, I, you know, I don't see any of those guys better than the guys that came out this year up to Justin Fields. <laughs> That's fair. And and first of all, thank thank you for the compliments and, and uh always appreciate hearing things like that. And yeah, I think this kind of goes back to like the the weird place that a lot of Lions fans are in right now where they're extremely optimistic, but yeah, they kind of talk out of both ends of their mouth and says like, but you know, this team is going to be terrible this year. And and listen, there there are certainly reasons to be optimistic. Like you said, the offensive line, um, I think the running game has a chance of being really good. I think like you said, the coaching staff has a chance to elevate a lot of players. Uh you know, game that, that have disappointed over the past couple of years. But I think the issue is all of that remains theoretical at this point, right? It all, you know, the, you know, turning Jeff Okuda and, and Tracy Walker and Amani Oruwari around in the secondary, it all sounds good on paper and it all makes sense, but it has to happen still. And so um, I, I just feel like, to me, there's so many ifs that happen. Like, if Aaron Glenn gets a secondary turned around, if the the defensive line you know starts to develop some pass rush if the wide receivers perform at their you know top tier then this team can can be competitive every week but injuries happen and players regress instead of progress and and i just i don't know to me i i'm still looking at the best case scenario as, as like a six seven win team but i still think a six seven win team could be a lot improved from what we saw last year and, and i think that's that's where i'm you know happy at i guess and I agree with that. I think a seven and ten. Yeah, I want to see improvement. I don't want to see, uh, you know, the worse, you know, worse than what we had last year. Last year, so so that we're drafting like in the top three. M- my next question is that. Well, first, before I go on, I need to counter Dan because I wish I can talk in an Italian accent, but <laughs> Italy's going to win tomorrow, <laughs> and he knows it. <laughs> he knows it. So but anyway. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, as far as the whole quarterback's concerned, I, I, I think Goff is going to be better uh, than he has been in the past. I'm looking forward to him being the guy he was a couple of years ago. Uh, I think the staff is going to get that out of him. Pardon the motorcycles. Um, All good. But, you know, when I'm looking at quarterbacks, obviously I don't want to dra- – I, I really rather not draft a quarterback next year at all. But And I don't see anybody – like I said, Justin Fields to me, if he were to come out next year – He'd be the number one quarterback, and he was, you know, he wasn't even the third best quarterback this year. So, uh, I mean, I I just don't see any good prospects coming out. I think Goff's going to be our quarterback for at least the next two years. Yeah, let me let me throw some of the other guys. If you had to give me maybe let's go one to ten scale, how confident are you in Jared Goff being able to turn his career around in Detroit? You're asking me. Oh. I, I want to I throw it to the other guys. See what they think. I hate doing scales like that. Uh, <laughs> Answer um, in whatever format well, you want. Yeah, let me uh, let me say. I'd this. say seven. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I, I I do think that uh, he should be improved, and I do think that uh, it'll be he'll be better than he was in LA last year. He'll be closer to what we saw a, a few years ago, and I that is likely because of the offense that I'm expecting to be put in place should be very complimentary of him. So we should see an improvement from him. Um, the the thing about this team is that there's they're just so young in a lot of areas that he's going to need other younger players or or players like you know that we've talked about that are unproven to be able to step up to help him be improved you know what i mean uh it's not just going to be is he showing out better but it, you know he if he's putting the ball in the right place and, and the receivers are dropping it then he's going to look bad right so there it's it's not it, i think he's going to be improved okay um 
but I don't know if that's going to be enough for this team to overcome some of the other areas where there's question marks, right? Um, but I, I, maybe Ryan can come up with a number. I, I'm more in like the I'd be say just above five, like he'd be in that six. So better than average, better than average chance of him uh, improving. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing. I think Jared Goff is at a point where it, has his stock ever been lower? Nope. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> no question. So, yeah. So I mean, it, it's not it, it, in terms of the the bar that he has to clear in, in terms of improving um, from his you know past couple of seasons in in L.A. He he definitely I think he will, he will clear that bar. But the the question I, I think always remains is whether or not Jared Goff is going to be the guy who's going to be the difference maker. I don't think that there's anything up to this point in his career that's pointed towards signs of that being the case. Um, so I, I, I would be, I, I would, I would be cautious about, you know, drinking too much of the Jared Goff Kool-Aid, but um, in terms of him having, you know, an improvement over, you know, last season or even the season before, like, I, I think that I, I, I'm right with Eric. I don't, I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean for us to team up and throw the wet blanket on, on Jared Goff, but um I don't know. Like I'm just trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep things, uh, you know, in in scope. I guess. Well, to me, to me, it's it's one of the more puzzling things and toughest things to answer because I'm I'm right at a five. We have we have two really good seasons of Jared Goff and two pretty bad seasons yeah. of Jared Goff. And then you, you think about his his situation in Detroit compared to L.A. You know, you, you got Sean McVay. You're, you're I mean, they're 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 wide wide opinions on him at this point. I think Lions fans have, have started to convince themselves that he's like a bloviating idiot for some reason, um, which I think is, is, is misguided, but like the offensive line, probably pretty good. The running game looks like it could be good. The receivers probably not that good, but then you got a good tight end. It's like for every yin, there's a yang here. And I just like, I can't tell you how it's going to, you know, play out because it really could go in any direction. And I feel like anyone who is standing here right now telling you Jared Goff can't get it done or Jared Goff is going to rebound for sure, they're 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 talking out of out of their behind because no one knows at this point. And there's really I mean, there's evidence for both sides and I think it's pretty much equal evidence for both sides. Yeah, and uh, I think I think the points that you just made there, Jeremy, where it's like for every yin there's a yang. Yeah, I, I think that <clears throat> that boils down to again, like is Jared Goff a difference maker? And I don't yeah. know if we've seen that during his career yet. So I, I think the jury is still out. And man, if there, if there was a pivotal time in his career, like this is it. Like this is the year that Jared Goff makes or breaks himself. And, and that's probably not entirely fair either, right? Like he's learning an entirely new system. Ag- he's not agreed. surrounded by a great team. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it's it's a rough situation for him. Vic- victim of circumstances, right? Yeah. Now, uh, with the caveat of that, there was no pass rush. I thought he looked better in OTAs and minicamp than what I was expecting. I don't same. know if you feel this. Yeah. Okay. I right. Think, yeah. Now, uh, we'll see how things change when the pads come on and, and whatnot. But I was more impressed with him than I think what I was anticipating. Now, you know, he Stafford throws one of the best balls in the business, and and he was a joy to watch at training camp. But I was expecting. It to be like a night and day difference between him and Goff. And, and Goff looked like an NFL quarterback, which is, you know, like you said, all the hype around him. And like Ryan said at the top, his stock has never been lower. And, and I think we went into this thinking, oh, my gosh, he's just going to be terrible. He's going to look like Tim Boyle. And um, he looked good. I, I He looked very good. Uh, he, you know, every 10th ball was probably not where it needed to be. But um you know that's part of learning a new system and new players and and all and all the knocking the rust off from uh, some rest in there. But and remember he's coming he's coming off a, a surgically repaired right thumb as well, which probably played a factor in it. But he looked better uh, than what I expected, and so that leaves me with some optimism that he can continue to uh, ascend up. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Antonio. That was a, a nice spirited discussion about Jared Goff, and I feel like we haven't 
had a big, honest Jared Goff discussion before, and uh, that was well needed. I, I like that. Um, and I think we're going to close things on that. So thank you, Antonio. Thank you for everyone who who joined us today. Uh, appreciate the, the talk. Appreciate us continuing some Lions discussion, even in the dead time of year. We'll be back next week again, Saturday mornings, 1030 a.m. on the Spotify Green Room app. But until then, for Ryan, for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thanks for joining us. It's chaos. Be kind. Thank <laughs> you.